Welcome everyone, I'm your host Kylie Render and you're listening to the Farmer Story Podcast. We have the honor today to interview Mr. Paul Windemuller. He is the owner-operator of Dreamwinds Dairy in Western Michigan. He has an awesome farm and an awesome story, so we're going to get to know him today. Thank you for being on the show. Yeah, good morning, Kylie. Thanks for having me. Like I said, you are the owner-operator of Dreamwinds Dairy. So can you kind of tell me the story of how that began, how you kind of got into farming, why you decided to become a dairy farmer? I didn't grow up on a farm. My dad owned a farm equipment dealership, and that's kind of where I grew up and was always around farmers and always wanted to be a farmer one day. Worked at a bunch of farms in the area when I was a kid, potato farm. And then I got into working on some friends' dairy farms and really enjoyed that and really wanted to pursue that as a career starting in high school. So yeah, that's kind of how I got involved in agriculture and, and farming. Yeah, no, that's really cool, especially since not having previous experience like that, where you just had to kind of jump into it. So when did you actually start Dreamwinds Dairy? Like, was that right after high school or was it after college or? My wife and I went to New Zealand and dairy farmed out there for a little bit and then moved back to Michigan. And then we bought a old dairy facility that was shut down and kind of revived it over about a year and a half. And then we started milking 30 cows. Let's see, that was May of 2014. Oh, wow. So it was about four or five years after I graduated college. Okay, wow. That's super interesting. So, what does it compare? So, like you said, you farmed in New Zealand. Are there like things that are very different, or is it kind of the same as far as farming goes in New Zealand as compared to the United States? For the most part, it's a very different system that they run there. It's all grazing based. The cows are harvesting most of the feed, they're spreading most of their own manure. There's very few structures on the farm, like the farm that we were at. There's one shed there for the milking facility. And then there's a couple of small, just three-sided sheds for raising the calves in the spring. It was seasonal calving. So they calved all at once. They did the breeding all at once. And then they dry everything off all at once. So you had a two-month vacation. Whereas uh, the system that we run here in the U.S. mainly, like I run, conventional system is calving year-round, breeding year-round. And we try and keep it consistent from month to month production-wise. We have everything in barns here and have all purchased feed that we mix up into a total mixed ration for the cows. Okay. That's very interesting. So did you take any parts of that New Zealand farming and implement it on your farm? Or was it just kind of like that was a learning experience and then you farm totally differently now? Biggest takeaway that I got from farming in New Zealand was they're very lean and very simple. So mm-hmm. it's a very simple system. And they don't overcomplicate things. They don't have a lot of equipment. They don't have a lot of buildings. It's just very plain, very simple, low cost. And that's kind of how I started my farm here, even though it's a completely different system. Had that same mentality of I'm not going to have a bunch of equipment. I'm not going to have a bunch of extra fancy structures that we really don't need. Just keep it simple and try and be really low cost. And that's kind of how we started out and the philosophy we try and live by here. Yeah, no, that's super cool. So when you're on your farm, like what does a day and your life look like working on the farm? Like what do you have to do every day that keeps your farm running smoothly? That what are some of the things you have to do on a daily basis just to keep your farm running? We've got automated milking machines, but we don't have automated scraper systems. So we have to go through the barn a couple times a day and scrape the manure out. Then we have to fetch whatever cows haven't gone to get milk. 
we do that. And then we uh, make sure the cows that are in heat get bred. Any cows that show up on our health report, we check them out, make sure that they get treated if they need to be treated or looked at at least. And then just taking care of cows that have calved and the newborn calves, you know, four to five cows every week. So that takes a bit of time. And then just making sure the manure gets out and spread out in the fields, book work, like any business. Yep. And then just making sure we don't raise any of our own replacement animals. So I do a lot of buying in of cows that we need to replace the ones that are going to get beefed. So that takes a bit of time as well. And then putting up feed in the summertime and that sort of thing as well. And I think that all those things, they sound like maybe just little things, but they take up a lot more time than a lot of people would think. So I know that your family lives on site of your farm. How are they involved? Because I know that you have children and all that. So are there ways that you intentionally implement them into running your farm too? Yes, we have six kids. Oldest one is going to be 10 here in a couple of weeks. My two oldest do quite a bit around the farm, actually. They usually feed most of the calves that we have before they get picked up. They help me bed the dry cow pens. They'll help fetch the cows. They'll keep the robot rooms clean for me, spray them down. They each have their own calf to take care of as well that they're raising. So we try and involve them as much as possible. That was one of the reasons why my wife and I wanted to farm the way we are, is to to be able to raise our family, raise our kids with the mentality of hard work and character building and being able to work with animals. And so that was really important to us. So we're trying to implement that every day. Sometimes it takes longer to do the work that way, but eventually I think that'll pay off. So. Yeah, no, I think that's super important because I see even like kids that are my age and older and who are like, who didn't grow up in that environment and who have not gained those character building skills and all that. So I think that's just, that's really neat because I think your kids are really going to have a a jump start and growing up like that. And then with your side of the job, are there some aspects of working in agriculture and having a family-based farm that you think people don't realize is so important or is there things that people who are not involved in agriculture would be surprised to see that you have to do or surprised to see how you run your farm? Starting from a, a big picture standpoint, the smaller family farms around the country, just from a food security standpoint for our country, I don't mind large farms. I've been involved in large farms, but I think it's a good good idea to have our food supply production spread out throughout the country and also to have it spread out through a lot of different size operations. So that way our food security isn't, our eggs aren't all in one basket. The other thing about that is going back to raising children, the character traits that are instilled in children raised on farms, if they're involved in that operation. I think that was a big foundational part of our, what made our country great in the first place. Looking back at history, you know, Thomas Jefferson talks about that a lot in a lot of his writings of the agrarian farmer and the the importance to a republic of a farmer and his farm and and what happens on it. So that's kind of a big picture. I think a lot of people also don't realize that haven't grown up around farms or understand farms. To me, it's more than just a job. It's got to provide a living for myself and my family, but doing it because I'm really passionate about it. I care about the cows, you know, they provide for my family if I take care of them. So I want to make sure they're well taken care of. If they're not, they aren't going to provide for my family. And 
So I think that's a big thing that people can't understand unless they're really doing it themselves. Yeah, no, that's super important. Cause I think, especially what you're saying about the small family farm being such a vital part of our country. I think that's a super important fact that most people don't realize. So kind of going back to like the, the people don't realize thing, do you feel as if agriculture in general, especially the family farm side of it is underappreciated and, or like misrepresented whether that's by mainstream media or by just people in general, do you think that's a general attitude or do you think that is not true? I think in the past it, it's been misunderstood, but I think actually one of the benefits of the whole COVID pandemic is people realizing, hey, we need to have a secure food supply. And the more local it is, if I know where it's coming from and I know it's going to be there for me in a crisis... I kind of like that. So yeah. <laughs> I think this has actually been a, a good thing that's come out of this whole mess is people understanding, hey, I want to reconnect with people that are growing my food locally and understand what they're doing and make sure I have that connection in case my food supply is jeopardized. I know where to go. Yeah, I know. That's super interesting. So have you seen, like you said, a increase in interest about what you do just in over the recent pandemic? Yeah, we've had a lot of people actually ask us, hey, can we buy milk straight from you? And the marketing agreement we have with our co-op, we can't do that, nor do we have pasteurization or bottling equipment either. So Mm -hmm. that wasn't a possibility, but we actually have started selling beef. We have uh, professionally butchered and packaged, but it's beef from our farm and sell it to people that have come to us asking to get it directly off the farm. So that's something that we've seen, but definitely a, a big uptick an interest of what we're doing on our farm and trying to get a connection with us. Yeah, no, that's really super cool because I think that's important for people to get involved and to see how important that is. So you said something about your co-op. So you were recently elected to the board of Dairy Farmers of America, which I believe is part of that co-op. So just talk to me a little bit about what you have to do for that is what the Dairy Farmers of America is kind of about and what they do for dairy farmers. Yeah. So DFA, Dairy Farmers of America, is now the largest dairy company in the world, which is pretty exciting because it's owned 100% by farmers. Oh, wow. um, That's awesome. It's a very different mentality of running a large business like that than what you'd find from a Fortune 500 company that's got to meet quarterly earnings. It's very long-term focused because the dairy business is a long-term industry. And that's pretty exciting because a lot of the private companies that have been in the dairy business or publicly traded companies haven't done a really good job because they haven't thought long-term. So that's one of the big benefits of having a co-op structure is we have marketing power. We can start branding products. It's one of those ways that we can connect, even though it's so large, we can connect with consumers better because it is farmer owned. Yeah, And that's what's really exciting to me. That's why I'm excited to be a part of it. You know, most of the guys that are on the board are quite a bit older than me. So I'm mm-hmm. hoping to bring a different perspective of somebody that's younger. And Yeah, no, that's super interesting because you said if it's farmer owned, you're going to have farmer perspective because I think often people, when they're not part of farming, it's hard for them to actually make decisions about farming because they are they don't live it every day. They um, don't have that long-term perspective. Exactly, exactly. So I always ask people these last three questions at the end of the interview. So the first one is going to be, you were just talking about long-term. What is your vision for the future of your farm or farming in general in America? What are some things that you hope to see in the future? For our farm moving forward, that's something that my wife and I are actually in the middle of discussing. We've got it built up to a spot where it's going to be kind of tough for us to grow 
our current location. So we're trying to figure out, do we continue to grow with another location? Do we diversify and do some other things with our farm and what that looks like? So we're kind of in the middle of that planning right now, but long-term on the industry as a whole, I hope that we can continue to involve farms of all sizes and make them relevant. Just number one, like I had talked about for food security for mm-hmm. our country. And number two, the connection that consumers can have and, and the benefits of raising a family on that type of farm, on a smaller farm. I think those are all good traits that I want to see continue in the future. And probably the biggest area that I want to see progressing in is just reconnection with the consumer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, those are all awesome. The next question is, what is your motivation? Like, what is the reason you farm? Your Why is it that you are so passionate about farming? I just love being outside, love enjoying God's creation and just being able to feed the world. It seems to me like a pretty noble cause to be able to feed people and make sure that they have quality, nutritious food to eat every day. It's a big job, but it's well worth it. What advice would you give to your younger self starting out farming and or farmers who are trying to start out now, younger people who want to get into farming? What advice would you give to them and or your younger self? Think outside the box. There's a lot of different things that I did that were definitely unconventional. If I grew up on a farm, I probably wouldn't have done them. That really helped me progress my career. But just think of how you can work with other people too. Like my big reason that I think I was able to be successful and grow so quickly was I focused so much on basically just milking cows. I didn't raise replacement animals. I didn't do cropping. I connected Mm -hmm. with other local farmers to do those things for me. That allowed me to save my capital and focus that. When you're small, you really have to focus and do what you're really good at. And then Once you grow from there, then you can start looking at, hey, now I can diversify into cropping or raising my own replacements. But when you don't have a lot of capital, you need to focus it. Yeah, no, that's really awesome advice. I just really appreciate you being on the show today. This has been awesome. I really appreciate talking to you and I decided to see where your farm goes and talk again soon. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, Kyla. It's been a great time. Thank you for joining us. You've been listening to the Farmer's Story podcast. Other episodes can be accessed on all major streaming platforms, or you can check out our website at thefarmersstory.com. If you would like to contact me directly, if you have a question or would like to be on the show, you can email me at kylirender at thefarmersstory.com. All this information will be in the show notes below. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.